Welcome to Unbiased and on the Fence. This is Paranormal Frequencies. How are you guys doing tonight? We have our special guest, Marilyn Hughes. Sherry, tell us about our fabulous guest. Okay. Uh, Marilyn Hughes founded the Out of Body Travel Foundation in 2003 with a mission to reduce spiritual and physical hunger worldwide. Marilyn has written 98 plus books, 40 magazines, and around 15 CDs on out-of-body travel and comparative religious mysticism. These books, along with accompanying music and art, are all available for free download. Marilyn has experienced, researched, and written and taught out-of-body travel and mysticism since 1987 and has appeared on innumerable radio and television programs to discuss her thousands of -of out-of-body experiences. Marilyn, I'm so happy to have you here. Well, I'm honored to be with both of you. Thank you for inviting me, and it's great to meet you, Sherry. (laughs) (laughs) I have to say, Marilyn became a huge synchronicity for me because I had already had my Michael Jackson experiences, and I already had heard her on Coast to Coast, and I I was already a fan of hers. I knew that her books were available for, for free download on her website, and I was working on a hospice case, and I, and um, I was I was like, I'm gonna go check out some of these books, and I get on there, and I'm looking through all these titles, and then I was like, oh my gosh, you know, it said Michael Jackson, the Afterlife Experiences, book one, two, and three, <laughs> and then they have that little trilogy, which is yep. so cool and beautiful. I don't know if I can see it, so I gotta. Yep. <laughs> so, and all of your books are so beautiful. The front oh, of thank you. So if you, yeah, if you, you have to uh, buy them if you get a physical copy, but they are available for, for, you know, free down. But I'm telling you, you're going to want all of them because they're, they're all so beautiful. And she's had so many experiences that are just profound. They're they're amazing. But anyway, so I thought, Marilyn, that you could start by maybe telling us, and I know everybody asks you this, but I know that when you were a child, you'd had an out-of-body experience. And then later on in life, you know, you were kind of shown then that it was going to happen again. Can you tell us about that? Well, when I was nine, I had a, an experience and it was a really quite mind blowing experience where, you know, the heavens opened and it was, uh, uh, you know, uh, with the, you know, the, you know, <laughs> you know, the clouds and the marble staircase and the angels on either side and up at the top, the thrones, you know, and there was, uh, you know, a father God figure and a Christ figure. And I was slowly ascending those thrones. And, you know, I tell this story a lot, but, you know, one thing I'd like to just say about it, that, you know, it never, you're never really able to convey 
Um, this was an experience that completely changed my life, my reality. You know, as a as a you know, think of yourself as nine years old, and um, this was world changing. You know what I mean <laughs> in terms of my reality. And so it was it was such a uh, I, you know, ironically, I would almost call it like my Moses experience. You know, my Mount Sinai. You know, it was so amazing and beautiful. But I was shown a lot of things, and among them, I was shown some things that were going to happen to me in my childhood, which, you know, then subsequently I was also shown uh, that there was a purpose and these experiences were going to come back to me later. And they did when I was around 22 and that there was something I needed to do with them. I had a purpose with it. Uh, God wanted me to do something. And, um, and so I was filled with, uh, you know, this, this knowledge of that purpose, but there's an energy that comes with it too. You know, um, so, you know, it's kind of like having a tree planted in you, you know. <laughs> so it was there from, you know, the time I had that experience, it was like, it's just there and it's growing, you know. So when I was 22, started having experiences again. Um, my husband was the one who suggested I start writing them down. And um, and then I just, you know, started writing. Um and uh, the experiences continued and expanded. Um, I remember thinking, you know, like when I, when, I, when I wrote my first book, like that was released in 1991, you know, I remember just my worldview at that time, you know, the, uh, what I had been shown and what I had seen. And I could never have imagined what God had in store for me to show me in the next 30 years. I could never have imagined. Um, but what I have definitely come to know is, you know, our, you know, what St. Paul said about what I has, what I has not seen nor ear heard is what God has prepared for in the heart of the man who loves him is, is a true understatement. Um, <laughs> right. um, and and so, you know, sometimes it's hard for people to even fathom. And it's hard for me to, you know, go back to the beginning and from where, where I'm at today and, and, you know, try to, well, okay, this is where you begin. But you, you want know, to say, you know what, buy the book. <laughs> the book and the next book and the next book. But you well, know, you know that is one of the one of the beauties about it is that you can and you know you can download them and they're at the website which is outerbodytravel.org and you can follow it in sequence and most people that's how they do the best when they're trying to open up to these experiences because it opens you up very naturally um, but I think it's important for people to know that you know the idea that most people might have about what is an out-of-body experience you know is very minimal in comparison to what it truly can become you know you need to look at this as profoundly religiously and spiritually significant this is this is the type of experience that will completely change your life if you allow it to you know what I mean? It's it's that's one thing that I had learned from you was that um, 
although there, you know, a lot of people claim like to have the capability in the fourth dimension to, you know, control everything and everything, but that it's best to like, you know, let God take you to where you're supposed to be and show you what you're supposed to see and let you experience what you're supposed to experience. But it's very obvious to me that you were like chosen to do this. Um, it's so neat when I hear you say, you know, that you've had experience with like different prophets, um, sages, aesthetics and over the, you know, and everything, because I, that's what I feel like you are. I, I know, I know that you're humble, but I mean, <laughs> to me, it's like, you're just right up there with them. And, um, I just hope that you know that, that that's how I really feel. You know, I really do. You have, so very much kind. you know, I don't feel like I'm worthy of that, but it's very kind of you, but um, you have so much to offer. And so I, so I'll say this too, is that it, it was so neat to me because when I found that synchronicity with the Michael Jackson books and when I, when I got them, I'll never forget what you said because it was exactly how I felt with because uh, when Michael Jackson had like contacted me in the way that he did is that you had said that um, you know when he had approached you while you were out of body yeah and, and that he would have wanted you to write and that you were you were just like you know well I don't do anything unless I unless I get permission from my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ so you went to him and then he said write the book and and to me, it's just, and then, and what was neat was at the time, like you were saying in the book that you didn't really know why, that yeah. you, why, why this was shown to you. And then, and then by the time I'd heard you on a later interview, you'd said that you understood now. And I was like, oh my gosh, this, that's clicked so well. So why don't you just tell everybody why? Well, why, you know, the, the beautiful thing about Michael Jackson's afterlife experience, and it, I don't know, Shane seems to see what's, it's, you know, it's funny when we start talking about Michael Jackson, we all start smiling, you know, and part of the reason for that is because there was just something so light and wonderful and happy about his soul and his spirit that those of us who have touched it really feel. And, you know, and it's kind of, you know, it's like as when we're talking about him, I know it's going to sound funny, but allow me a little a little flit of fancy here you know it's like i'm thinking of moonwalking because you know <laughs> when michael jackson came into my life you know it was it was just fun you know it was just so fun <laughs> you know but um one of the, <laughs> you know there were there were quite a few reasons i think um why for the why and you know one of the other things about when i had that experience it wasn't just that i wasn't given permission to write it i was told write it i want right. you to write this and you know and it's interesting because if you look at the rest of my books it it's kind of like doesn't make a lot of sense that it's kind of in there you know but um it's when you look at michael jackson's afterlife adventure and experiences it really mimics you know, the afterlife experiences of every common man. And his, his journey was so beautiful and so sublime and so not different from the rest of us, you know? Yeah. Um, he, you know, there was just such a, um, you know, blatant humanity about Michael Jackson that I fell in love with. I love that man. There's a um, 
blatant humanity, you know. Um, and I think in some respects, one of the things I learned about him as a person, because, you know, you, Sherry, and I, we have discussed how neither one of us were big fans of Michael Jackson. We both had other, you know, other uh, musical people that we were more, you know, that we were more into. And so it's kind of a different thing for us, you know. Um, but it was so interesting to see how um, how this, you know, how this world had kind of... Um, Lost just, something. Kind of, oh, I'm sorry. Can I say that again? I thought you were going to say lost something when he left. I apologize. Go ahead. <laughs> Actually, that's a good, that's a very good point because that's true. That's true. That's very true. Um, you know, but they not only did people missed something about Michael, but they, we did lose something when he left. He was a big light and he carried a lot of light and he carried a lot of love and it was legitimate. And, you know, there were there were a lot of people that that, um, uh, you know, unjustly went after him and it was just a, you know, there was a lot of, um, but you know, this is kind of what we see in the material world, unfortunately. You know, when, mm -hmm. when people, when people exhibit genuine goodness, a lot of times it gets um, taken for granted, so to speak, you know. Um, but, you know, when I went with Michael on his journeys, you know, he went through a lot of the same things that everyone else goes through. He went through the purgatorial realms. He, um, I still remember, probably one of the things I remember the most clearly is when he was in the mountains screaming, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, that, was, that was a really intense experience. And I, one of the reasons I remember it was because we were somewhere where it was just him and I. No one else could hear it, and he could just... Um, he could just get out of his spirit, you know, all of his anger and all of the things, all of the frustration, all that stuff. And it was just such a purifying moment because no one, no one else could hear it. It could just be his own thing. And then uh, that's, at the same time, he was, he was humble enough to share that with me and wanted me to, you know, share the whole journey. So we did. Um, I think there were a lot of, uh, purposes for sharing his afterlife journey. One thing that I liked was how he, uh, how at first his spirit guides and angels like kind of act like his entourage because that's what he's driving around him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was something there. And then the, um, the part that, that it, oh, I know what really interested me. I had had an experience where I helped him walk, like out of body, like walked him to a park bench or whatever. I didn't realize that he had problems with his legs. And I, then when I saw that in the book, that became like another confirmation for me. Because uh -huh. he had had like prosthetic legs. Yes. Because they were, he was kind of dealing with the fact that he had suffered from so much pain, right? Yes. He had had a lot of pain. I think a lot of people didn't realize how much pain he was in. I think he had lupus, didn't he? He did have lupus, and he also had the burns, the burn injuries. Mm -hmm. And um, I think the vitiligo thing was something that um, 
you know, a lot of us don't know a lot about really. Um, I think that was uh, a much bigger problem. And, you know, the burns were pretty significant from what I understand that he what, had. What's interesting, I had studied um, a, a bunch of stuff on him. And I, did you know what's interesting? If you took the day that he was born and the day that he died, right in the middle, that day is the day that he was burned at the Pepsi, in the oh, Pepsi really? thing. Yeah. And it was almost like his life kind of went up and then that happened. And then it kind of started, he started having some you know, problems and stuff like that. But, um, yeah. So, uh, I was trying to think, um, th there was a couple other things I wanted to ask you about though, was the, didn't you have a near death experience? Yes. Yeah. Yes, can, yeah. Can you tell us about that a little bit? I may come back to the other stuff, but sure. I was anxious to hear. Yeah. When, um, in 2003, um, you know, in 2001, I was diagnosed with cardiomyopathy and heart failure, and I had, um, um, that's, uh, you know, the most common reason people will have um, transplants, heart transplants. And um, it was a complication of pregnancy, my third pregnancy. And, um, and I actually had heart failure for, gosh, 17 years. And... Um, and that's pretty much an incurable condition. And last year it spontaneously healed. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. But in 2003, um, it appeared that the heart was getting you know worse. And so I'd done some echocardiograms and we were getting ready to go in and do um, some stuff. And they were going to have a chopper standing by because they were thinking maybe transplant. And um, they were going to be ready to send me off because I was in a small mountain town in Colorado. And um, so the night before the procedure, I was, um, I, I, I had an experience where I probably had an arrhythmia in my sleep of some kind. And um, so I was shooting through space towards the tunnel, you know, that everyone talks about. And <laughs> in the tunnel was my little dog that I had for like 24 years. Um, she, little wow. Joy, a little Joy dog. She was a little little tiny terrier she's black and white and she was sitting in the tunnel doing you this had that as a child when you were a child yeah i had her when i was growing up and um this this seems to be a, something that i see a lot with people do you <laughs> okay go ahead and um so i was you know subsequently i knew i couldn't touch the veil uh, at the you know the end of the tunnel because if you do generally can't return and all that um but uh you know jesus appeared at that point and then he took my hand and took me on this beautiful journey into all the worlds you know it was just so awesome and that was a grace because generally you're not supposed to go beyond that point and he allowed me to go beyond that point and so i was literally flying through worlds and so it was like you know it's every second you're in a different world you know, like, <laughs> and, um, you know, and there's all the beautiful colors, the purples, pinks, blues, and whites and yellows, you know, and, and um, the vibrations, the different vibrations and the different energies that you're feeling is just so beautiful and so wonderful and everything. And then Jesus brings me back to where the, um, the tunnel is. And um, he talks to me about how um, the purpose of human life is to go from selfishness to selflessness. 
And then he shows me kind of like, um, it's bigger than this, but you know, since we have a small screen, he had like a thing from the floor, from the ground and up. And it's like a meter of a selfishness meter, you know, <laughs> and yeah. further, the closer to the bottom you are is the more selfish you are. And the further you go up, the more selfless you are. And so he showed me where I was on the on that scale. And then he showed me, you know, where humanity kind of, um, you know, wavers, which is pretty close to the ground, you know, and um, and then I was allowed to kind of hear the I guess the a one way to put it would be the wailing of humanity in the distance, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. and, and he tells me, you know, he says, um, he tells me that it's still my choice. I can go back if I want, but I've done everything I need to do and I can cross over if I would like to. Um, but it won't make any difference if I go back. Um, mankind and humankind will remain selfish. And, you know, I'm hearing the people fighting in the background, the screaming and the wailing and, you know, and, you know, and, you know, as a, uh, I don't know, as idealists, you know, we're all like, oh, we're going to go back. We're going to make it change. But he's letting me know very clearly, you know, you're not going to change it, but you can go. And, you know, and I said to him, well, I said, as long as it's my choice, I have to go back because I have three young children and my kids were really young then you know my kids are all grown now they're all adults um and my youngest was just a little baby at the time you know and so he looks at me and he's standing in front of me um and you know kind of you know his arms are out you know looking at me and he says okay well, i want you to go back and pray uh pray for a heart transplant and i told him um, I said, no, I can't do that. And I said, but I will go back and I will pray that the life of the perfectly healthy person that would have to die um, for me to get a new heart be spared and I'll take my chances with the heart that I've got. Uh -huh. And he pauses and he's looking at me, you know, kind of like I'm looking right at you really deeply in the eyes. And he's just real serious for a minute. You know, I'm like, you know, and he says, he just, you know, real strong pause, you know, and it's just very quiet. And it's like, I grant that. And all of a sudden, and we're both traveling through this tunnel heading back. And we stop for a moment and is kind of like what looks like a bookstore. And we're in this bookstore. He's sitting next to me, like in a chair. And I'm looking at like a shelf of books. And it's at least 30 or 40 books. And I notice that my name is on all of them. And I'm a little confused because you have to remember this is 2003, which is the year that the foundation was uh, found it. <laughs> and so, um, you know, um, so um, I'm looking at this and he says, I'm going to make good use of you. And um, and I'm looking at it and I'm like, really kind of like overwhelmed. I'm, I'm like, you know, I hadn't even written one book at that time. So right. I'm like, I'm like, sure. Yeah, okay, you know what I mean? <laughs> and um, and then, you know, whoosh you know flying again through space and heading back to uh back to the body 
Um, and then, the, you know, it's, it's morning, the morning of the procedure. We're heading, you know, we don't have a lot of time to talk about anything. So we head out and we're going to do the procedure. Don't tell anybody about it. Um, go into the procedure, wake up from it later. I'm still at the hospital. I haven't been flown anywhere. And I just, you know, ask the doc why. And he says, well, we can't explain it, but for some reason your heart's just doing a whole lot better than it was a week ago. And I, I didn't say anything because I knew my doctor was not a believer and I knew why, but I just kept quiet and I was like, thank you. That's <laughs> and, awesome. And um, yeah, and then, you know, literally, um, literally the instructions just started coming for how to form everything, you know, and six months later, the foundation was up and running and, um, <laughs> and it's been like that you were even guided on how to work the computer, right? Yes, I was. And, you know, not just that, but, you know, I did music and stuff. So I was given instructions on musical equipment. I was given instructions on how to play certain instruments and all mm -hmm. everything. Because I was all kinds of stuff that I had to learn how to do to get um, things uh, going. And, um, uh, you know, I remember even in the beginning there was... Uh, the free download thing, there's a reason why I focus on that because um, I had this beautiful experience like three months after that near death one where I was uh, taken to this beautiful, huge space where all the prophets, saints, mystics, sages and ascetics and uh, literally hundreds of them. And they were surrounding me and they told me um, that it was really important that everything would be available for free download and this was in 2003 when it was a little harder to do because mm -hmm. you remember dial up oh, <laughs> <You yeah. know? laughs> and so i had to learn quite a few tricks to get some of those things downloadable but it was really important mm -hmm. because we were working to reduce spiritual hunger worldwide we wanted everything to be available to feed souls and you know the um, the uh, injunction that we came up with came from Mother Teresa because she said that the spiritual the spiritual hunger in the West was worse than the physical hunger in the East, and so we we came up with the need to reduce spiritual hunger, yeah. and <laughs> and so that's what we've been trying to do. But we also after the 2004 tsunami took on. Uh, physical hunger as well and we raise money for charitable projects around the world because you can't um, you can't um, really put a lot of energy in your life towards a spir the spiritual development if you're living in poverty or in a disaster zone so we have to be real about the importance of uh, lifting people up as well so that they they can take those steps as well so we have to deal with both physical and spiritual poverty you yeah, know absolutely that's so beautiful <laughs> um i know when you when you were saying that you're that that he showed you your son at that point that reminds me of the part of the michael jackson uh experiences whenever he had told you when he'd said what is what's you do you know what the most beautiful thing in the world is yeah. <laughs> still that little part i love that part when he's talking about your son yes um 
You have to remember, sometimes I don't remember everything exactly, but oh, I'm, I'm, I, I know the children. <laughs> when he that had, he had children, said, right? you remember now or no? You can go ahead and okay. tell the details, but I know it was the children is the most yeah, beautiful. He had said, you know what the most beautiful thing in the world is? And you, and, and you were like, no, what? And then he like allowed you to like see your son and hear his voice and he was really small at the time or whatever gosh then, you're gonna make me emotional because he's all grown up now <laughs> i know huh? <laughs> well i remember he was so cute then too you know it's funny when they're so little we don't realize how short that's gonna be you know what i mean oh, how, no. quickly they, how quickly they're gonna grow up yeah that's <laughs> My little boy, he had like, he was so brown and he had these little ringlets and his hair was long like that. So we, he was eating a banana one day and we were like, oh, we're going to dress him up like Tars, baby Tarzan for Halloween. <laughs> so my, my daughter had a little uh, Pebbles dance outfit, like, yeah. so we just rolled it up where it was like a little skirt thing, gave him a banana and he took off on the four-wheeler trick-or-treat and it was so cute. <laughs> yeah, they, they grow so fast. Yeah, they yeah. do. On those tunnels that you that you were, you know, the tunnel that you go through when people experience death or whatever. But I want to ask you this: it, is it not? It seems I've seen. I don't have a lot of experience, but a lot of different tunnels that look different, and they're all kind of blue. Does, does yeah. Have you seen that or no? That's what I'm asking. If There's ever, lots of different tunnels um, that you can travel through in the you know in the out of body travel state. But they look um, like different textures or something. Yeah, different textures, different colors, you know. And a lot of people in the near-death experiences talk about the the darker tunnel with the light at the end, and that's the that's the one that a lot of people see in near-death experiences. It's also the one that often people see something like that when they're traveling through time, either before you know, uh, before or after you know, going because you can go forward or backward in time. And then the 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 ones with the ribs and stuff are often ones that are taking yeah. you into initiations and mysteries, yes. And and then there's different colored ones like you're talking about that are like the light blue ones are going to be taking into higher finer spheres, um, the things like that. There are tunnels that are darker that are going to take you into some of the lower spheres that are, you know. A little more scary. Ever saw one that wasn't gray or textured, like corrugated or like just kind of like blotchy, blue, white, staticky? But I saw one time a gr a gray and white one, but uh, that's the only. Uh, all the rest of them were like blue or whatever. So is there always a tunnel that you go through? No, not always. You know, um, it's different for everybody and different every time. You know, it can vary quite a bit. I'm just it's asking a, a random stuff. I'm on the, I'm so sorry. You can interrupt. Well, that's okay. no, that's no, okay. no, this is, you're asking great questions. I, no, I think this is cool. Cause I, I was sitting there wondering about the whole tunnel of light. And, and so I guess you can actually start to recognize certain tunnels are going to lead a certain type yeah. of place then. Yeah. And one of the things I mentioned in um, the mysteries of the redemption is for people when they're out and they're trying to uh, figure out where to go is to actually call out the corridor. Um, because then one of the corridors will appear that actually will give you some direction as to where to go. And so that's and always it, as long, And if you let it be guided by God, you're going to, you know, learn more. 
Right. And, and, and that's, there you go. Thank you so much, Shane. That's the mysteries of the redemption. That's one of the, that's the, one of the two books I always recommend as the first to read along with come to wisdom's door. And we have a series of nine books that are how to, which is starts with come to wisdom's door and they go up in, in, you know, heavy, you know, heavy frequency and vibration as you, and also the goes through uh, you go through that and then there's a bunch of books that go after it and so you can just keep going in sequence um, but um yeah the um, there's a lot of a lot of th stuff that goes with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. that's really awesome because uh, people want to actually get a hard copy of the book they can buy it but if they want to just download it for free they're able to do that from the website right yes right and a lot of people really like the audible and so everything's available on audible a lot of people like audio these days yeah. Audible and of course any digital form as well. They're all available in those forms as well. And so, so one personal question I had about that book is um I bought that book and another copy of it. It's the same book with a different cover. The other cover I actually had a experience with. I had made a video for you and I didn't know how to make a thumbnail on it. And all of a sudden, I mean I had I had got it in the mail that day after I had went to the cemetery to meditate for the children. I come back and it came in the mail and that was when it had the return address. I don't know who that, if that's the shipping company or whatever, it said Moon Escape, which was so Michael Jackson-y and then the address is like 222. But anyway, so I make this little video and to put it on my little YouTube channel and I didn't know how to make a thumbnail and it made it just of the cover where Jesus was on it, like holding the world in his hands. Yeah. So yeah. did, how come, did it get changed or you had a, there was two oh, different covers. There's been, there's actually, I think three or actually oh. four, now that I think about it, I think there's four different covers. Is this the latest? That one would be the latest. Yes, that's the latest. Yeah, it's gone through several, uh, several reincarnations. <laughs> I'm going to have to start collecting all those. Huh? <laughs> So yeah, they get four of them, yeah. and you know they go through their different, uh, their different redesigning whenever you know what I mean. <laughs> well, yeah, I thought nice of another <laughs> good question. Is this is something I'm just going to ask and see if you know what it is? Um, several years ago, I started experiencing this thing where I see these blue sparks or flashes of light, and I see them around people all the time. And the reason I'm bringing it up is because. I've seen it like three times since we've been talking. I was wondering if you know what that is and what your what would be your interpretation of that from your experience? Well, blue sparks or flashes of light can be, you know, just about anything, but you know, it can be an indication that there's a spiritual presence, but you know, in order to discern further, you'd have to like touch into what it is to know what it, what it might be. You know I know I've I mean? always had like a positive, um, I, I, I feel like that's one gift that I don't know how I got it, but I feel like I have that because I've, you know, had different experiences that show me that I've been able to know when something's not good. You know what I mean? Right. And they're really positive and I've almost come to the conclusion that they are angelic. Of some, that's what I've thought from what I've gathered. But I mean, I'm not positive. It's just from my own. It's, it's, very, it's very possible. Usually when it's like a bright blue and stuff like that, you're, you're looking more likely, but 
you know, I always recommend everyone go through the process of discernment with spirits <coughs> a lot about that in my books and stuff. So that, you know, it's real important that we do that because there is the possibility of deception with everything, you know. Right, right. Well, see, that's what happened when I was going through all that stuff with Michael Jackson. I was mm -hmm. so, it felt, everything felt right. But I, every once in a while, I'd just be like, this, you know, cannot. And then I'd have so many signs, ha you know, given to me that it was a legitimate thing. And then when I found out the little mission that he wanted me to do, I was sure then that it was you know, something positive that he was leading me, guiding me to do. And there was a reason for it, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and, and also one thing a lot of people point out that he all, he's the, one of the first things he said was, you know, you need to remember who you are. So, I mean, that, that's not a bad message to give somebody, you know, it's basically, no. uh -uh. Or, you know, one of the things that people don't remember, and I think this is what I felt when you first shared with me um, what Michael Jackson was doing with you, and I've heard it with other people as well. All of us, when we cross over, first of all, we all have um, purification to go through. And Michael went through a lot of purification, purgation, purgatorial type things. Um, but what I also saw and heard from a lot of people and your story is very similar, is where he was actually shedding his program, which what that means is he's actually dispersing some of his energy onto other people. So he's he's giving aspects of the, the remaining destiny that um, needed to be dispersed onto other people. So he handed part of that to you and he handed other parts of it to many other people that I had uh, also heard from some of them. That explains a lot, huh? Yes, and you know, it, to be to be fair too, because I heard from people that definitely did experience some deception and went through some weird stuff. And so there were people who did go through things uh, regarding the Michael Jackson thing that um, I think is pretty pretty certainly not related to Michael Jackson, but they were trickster spirits. And you have to remember that even in the spirit world, um, you can have spirits who are going to imitate or pretend oh that they're God. Michael Jackson. And, you know, I mean, just like people would do that on the ground, that can happen with trickster spirits. And there were people that were messed with um, by spirits that did things like that. So there were people, and so you're going to run into people um, who've had bad experiences too, you know, right. that makes total sense to me. Do you think yeah. that's one of the reasons why, um, the legitimate stuff, I, I don't know if that's a trend or whatever, but a lot of times they're not a fan. So I guess they're really not as, uh, open to manipulation. If, if it's like not say Michael Jackson, wasn't your fan to begin with, that wouldn't be a really effective way to try to go and deceive somebody as someone that, you know, they they weren't their pop star hero or something, you know. I don't know if that's, is that, does it seem like the people that had the, the, the more negative experiences were I, fans of his? I, I do think that there, there was some of that. I don't remember, you know, because it was quite a long time ago. I don't remember all mm. of the people, so I can't say for sure. But I do think it was more like that with some of those cases. Um, uh, I do remember one case in particular um, I, I don't, you know, I'm not going to mention names or anything, but um, there was one case in particular where there, uh, I actually did go in and I actually found um, 
the culprit in a particular case. Ooh. Wow. It was a who had um, um, but this was just a particularly disturbed soldier who had died overseas at that time. And um, so he was lost. He became a lost soul. And it was around the time of Michael Jackson's passing. And he had gotten into this thing of um, uh, deceiving women for sexual basically you know getting into being like a succubus um, interesting that's interesting um, yeah yeah and so um i actually went in and, and found out about this spirit um and was able to help this soul pass on um and that's you know that's that's kind of an unusual scenario um and that's important to know but yeah people can do that things like that can happen um, you do do a lot of um, like soul retrieval and helping people to cross over and stuff. But you know what I was just thinking about that would be great for you to tell the audience about? I listened to an interview of you on Skeptico where they were trying to basically, you know, basically like test you in a way, you know, or like have you prove your abilities. And yeah. what they did was they just uh, picked someone that maybe had a problem dealing with a deceased relative and that's kind of all they told you and they maybe gave you an object of theirs, right? Yeah. And mm -hmm. then you went in and found, can you tell us about that? That's so beautiful. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah, and you can listen to the whole um, the whole thing on the at the website at outofbodytravel.org. It's called the Out of Body Experiment. This one was done about 10 years ago as well and it was um, uh, Alex Securis um, put this together <laughs> and, um, yeah, it was, it was, you know, it, it was interesting at the time because he was, we, we just agreed that we would just go for it. We both kind of agreed to it. And he said he had trouble finding people who would agree to those terms of, you know, we're just gonna right. no information basically. <laughs> and just so, uh, <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I was given an object of the person um, I wasn't given the name or any information as to age or anything about what might have happened or anything. And then the, my job was to find out what, why they might need help. And so I was taken into this situation and apparently the, this information that I was given was pretty, pretty right on with uh, what had happened. It was a pretty tragic case. Uh, pretty, pretty tragic. Um, and uh, a lot of really, really cool synchronicities with the family. And, and apparently it, it really gave them a lot of peace. Um, and we were able to also talk after we did the whole experiment. And, um, you know, I think it helped them to move on as well. I know that the, um, the, the, the girl that had died or whatever had showed a flower and the mother had, when you told yeah. her about that, she yeah. had actually planted a garden of those flowers without knowing what kind to really kind do, but do a garden for her daughter. Yeah. The peonies. Yes. And um, yeah, it was a very, it was a very complicated story. 
um, in terms of how, uh, what had happened to their daughter. And she was a young woman, uh, you know, I, I, early 20s, I believe, if I recall correctly. And um, she had gotten into a very convoluted situation and it had resulted in her death. And I just, I just really wanted to mention it because I thought that it, it grew. It was something that was, you know, kind of proves your abilities. And I thought maybe the listeners, if they wanted to check out that interview, you know, that, yeah, that they could. You. Because uh, I, I just, I love the whole story and everything. But and I, I just thought we could bring it up just because it really proves what, you know, your abilities. Yeah. And it so, was skeptico.com, and it's the out of body experiment and. Yeah, it's on uh, on the website under appearances at outofbodytravel.org. And um, yeah, and you know, also I did do a lot of work with Lost Souls. And, you know, in the Mystic Knowledge series, there's a whole book on ghosts and lost souls that you can download that uh, goes through just case after case after case of, you know, situations with ghosts and lost souls. So you can understand more and more the difference between them. You're also going to learn that if you read the Mysteries of the Redemption and go through uh, those books as well. So whichever way works for you, you know, but um, the Mystic Knowledge series is a group of about 14 books that kind of uh, uh, teaches things according to subject matter. So like there's a, one on reincarnation and karma. There's one on spiritual warfare, angels and demons and uh, death dying in the afterlife. So there's you go in there and you can see the different subjects. And um, and there's uh, books that just cover those in particular. And, and that's helpful for a lot of people who are more interested in something in particular. You know what I mean? Yes, it's such great information, though. Everybody needs to read them all. <laughs> Thank you, <Jane>. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I guess, um, you know, as people are discovering more and more like i've been noticing more telepathic things happening synchronistic things and you know just paying more attention and as people's gifts begin to come online more what advice do you have for people not to operate from fear or to to use their discernment so that because uh, a lot of times we're programmed to to fear things that we don't understand right so what what would you advise people to uh you know proceeding forward to you know to handle new abilities that might be coming online you know i think ironically it's it's funny because i you know my advice changes as i get older <laughs> <You know? laughs> so I, I think i'll give you some multi-layered advice you know first of all discernment is key and that's really important and if you read through my books I, you're going to learn a lot about how to apply discernment in those situations um, there's a lot about how you do that but one of the things that I've learned is, that, you know, as you're getting older and also more as uh, science is just waking up to these, uh, these realities of the spirit and of the potential of the human mind. I would, well, you know, not anymore. <laughs> This is just human. This point, might not be super. You want to have her the like United States government themselves through the remote viewing program 
you know, the, through the remote viewing program, they um, they determined that the psychic ability, the the ability to um, determine psychic things or to you know remotely go to other places, that psychic gift, the subconscious, the different ways that that's just innate in the human being. So you know what we're finding, we find this with the quantum hologram theories, with the parallel realities, with all of quantum science, all the things that are happening with, you know, the funny thing is that all these things that are coming in through science is ironically um, what mystics have been saying for 5,000 years. Um, there's nothing to be afraid of. It's literally a natural thing that um, we are starting to unfold now. And it's going to be such a beautiful thing because it brings so much potential into the human condition. We're going to be bringing the potential to um, create a completely different type of human experience by allowing ourselves to open to these gifts. You know, the human experience is here for the purpose of you know, the purification of the soul, you know. And the more that we open up to the gifts, the spiritual gifts, and the more that, you know, I had this one beautiful vision not too long ago, and it was shown to me as a circle, existence as a circle. And, you know, worldly existence was the bottom half, and the spiritual world was the top half. And, you know, most humans are aware of this bottom half. But when that full circle when we are operating in both worlds that's when that's when life begins you know <laughs> that's when life begins and that's when human potential can reach its pinnacle that's when spiritual potential can reach its peak that's when people and souls are going to start accelerating in their evolution towards god towards light towards purification we're gonna we're gonna speed up you know this is this is a really good thing so you um, think there'll be an actual like event or maybe a splitting of these uh, like the world into like maybe a lower frequency one and a higher frequency one i've i've had experiences about that and it's written about in the mysteries of the redemption um i do think that's a possibility i don't know if we'll be aware of it in terms of which one we're on, you know, because it'll be a shift change, you know. Um, a lot of people have trouble with this idea of parallelality, you know. But in reality, you know, it's it's where are your eyes pointed? So, you know, right now my eyes are pointed right here. That doesn't mean that I don't have other sets of eyes that are pointed in a million different directions and that, you know, if I alter my point of perception or my human potential that this could just suddenly go boop, and my i'm suddenly my point of consciousness is looking from over here or you know right. over here somewhere you know and so um we we have this ability to be multiplicitous in many worlds in many times and for some, it's a hard concept for us as human beings to relate to, but it's not as hard to understand as we make it. Um, 
But yes, I absolutely believe there can be a shift. And what we have to remember is that those kinds of shifts are actually going on all the time. You know, if it's not going on on a mass scale, it's going on on individual scales. Every decision that we make to go upwards and every decision that we make to go up downwards, shifts are occurring. Um, you know, we are choosing how we are seeing things. I've had many mystical experiences where it'll, this is a good forum for this because I try to explain this on a lot of interviews where there's no video. I'm going to try to do this. But, you, know, awesome. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a stupid little thing, but I, you know, think about this. I'll have many, many mystical experiences where I'm just looking straight ahead, you know, and Paramahamsa Yogananda does this a lot. So those of you who are fans of him, you know, pay attention to him because he'll do this. He'll come in the room and he'll just walk over and he'll go, he'll just put his fingers under your chin and he'll go, stop looking down there. (laughs) (laughs) It's really, it's really, it's change what you're looking at. And then, you know, think about this because a lot of us are not just looking like this. A lot of us are looking like this. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And what he's telling me, he's saying, look up, look up at the heavens, look up at God. Don't look at the material world. If you're looking down, well, don't look down. Look (laughs) up, (laughs) you know? And I know that inherently when he does it, it's such a simple thing. It probably seems kind of, uh, like a dumb thing to do, but it's it's actually very purposeful because he's reminding us we choose where we're looking. So we have to remember, you know, if we're just like this all the time during the day, well, do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, we have to change our frame of reference, and you know, I always. A few. I'm very required. It's thank you, Austin. And <laughs> maybe we should try to get it back. Spiritual with the prophets saying, Well, it's. It, it is a great what you were cutting sorry, out a minute oh i'm sorry it's not your fault <laughs> <laughs> i was just saying it, it 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 can be that simple where we we make these simple choices and we we don't have to make it so complicated um and you know for for the last you know forty thousand years of existence it really has been that simple and we forget that we can bring that simplicity back to it. Part of it, you know, in the modern world, um, the more complicated things are, people think that's better. I I joke around about um, uh, how companies do upgrades that are really downgrades because they make things harder. (laughs) Yeah. You know, this kind of applies to what I'm talking about. When you're talking about the spiritual life, it doesn't have to be harder to actually be more effective. What you're looking for is what is actually going to do this for you. (laughs) And, you know, when you think about what a simple 
act that is. And this is, you know, Paramahamsa Yogananda is the one who does this to me. And he just comes in the room. He's not saying a bunch. He's not saying, you know, I want you to get this out and I want you to do this and I want you to do that and I want you to try this technique. He comes in and he does this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm repeating it just because we so we miss we miss the we miss the uh, profundity of the simplicity sometimes. Yeah, I was just talking about that today about simplicity. Um, let me let me ask you this: Do you think that it's possible, like retro causality? Like, could you go back in time and help a soul? Oh yeah, and I do that. And I, um, if you if you read the mysteries of redemption, you're going to see that. I have read some of it. Yeah, I it, I just had I read like the Michael Jackson ones, and then I started reading that one, and then I had something come up, and we jumped to another one because something <laughs> came up. No, story okay. of my life. <laughs> <laughs> but. uh yeah, but it, it was still your book I was looking at. It was just a different one. But go, um, so yeah, so you think that you can help a soul from something that they went through and, you know, when they died or something, and you can go back and help them? Yes, I've seen that happen. But again, it, that kind of thing, um, in my cases, it's usually something that's, that God brings about rather than myself. Um, you know, so I allow God to guide something like that rather than myself. Yeah. Because only he knows whether it'll be what's helpful and what's not rather than me. Cause I don't know, you know? So, okay. One thing I, that I did want to ask you was this, like, um, with these kind of abilities, is, is it possible for that? Are there some people that could use them negatively? And if so, like, how could you, how, what's the best way to protect yourself from that? Absolutely. That can happen. Um, I've seen, um, I've seen that happen to the, to the point of where people have been possessed. Um, that can absolutely happen. Um, that's a, a big question because there's a lot of things we have to do. To protect ourselves. Prayer is a big part of it. We have to do a lot of spiritual warfare prayer. We have to um, be doing the things to educate ourselves to know what we are dealing with. Um, in my case, and I believe that this is a, an important guideline, is that if you are to be trained in doing something mystically, you'll be mystically trained and God will lead you into it. And really, if you're not, you're taking a lot of risks trying to go there without God leading it because of that possibility. Um, you have to be so careful with, um, you know, deception is, is, especially in today's world, there's so much deception on the ground. And I really, uh, for, especially for like young people, they are so easily led astray because of the fact that they haven't had as much time to form their conscience, to form um, enough knowledge to really discern when someone is telling them the truth but mixing some lies within it, or when a spirit is doing that. Um, 
one of the things that you definitely don't want to be doing, you don't want to be talking to just random spirits. And a lot of people do that, not mm -hmm. realizing that random spirits aren't going to teach you anything. You know, um, you want to be seeking out God and God's dominion, which includes his prophets, saints, mystics, and sages, and his angels. Um, angels don't respond to things like Ouija boards or, right. you know, or uh, incantations or spells or, you know, things like that. You know, angels respond to prayer and they respond to God's command to respond to prayer. We don't command angels. We pray to God and God commands his angels. Um, a lot of people get mixed up when they don't realize, you know, when people die, they don't automatically become enlightened. They, when people die, whatever they, their level of spiritual elevation at that time is what they die with. And they're not going to have anything to tell you that you, um, that is of help, any help or edification to you. You need to be, um, and so this, this spiritual, um, discernment process which I, tr I try to teach the mysteries of the redemption and these other books and also come to wisdom's door and the other series of books is really 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 important it's really hugely important because i can tell you um, i hear from people um not people who through through my site or anything uh have experienced this but people who have you know, dabbled in all sorts of things. And then I hear from them and, and, you know, they're going through exorcisms and they're, they're, they're possessed. And I've seen it happen to people who, um, if you, if you're naturally gifted, um, and you don't cultivate those gifts in a proper discerning way towards God, it can be totally turned against you. It can be totally turned against God because your gifts can be used for good or evil. And so if you have natural gifts, um, you better be careful about handing them over to the dark one, because I've seen people do it. <laughs> and it all um, kind of comes back to what you were saying about service to self or service, or I guess selflessness. Yes. Right. Yes. There are a lot of, there are a lot of, ways that you can gauge but what happens what happens to people when they start falling away and this is why it becomes so difficult you know when a soul is really engaging in the processes of discernment they're going to be like you know gosh i can see this i'm 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 not on the right path but when a soul starts going in the wrong direction they're going to start being contaminated and infected and they're going to become, um, you know, disobedient souls. They're going to become rebellious and they're not going to see it. And so a lot of times you can't stop it once it gets started. And when they're the only ones who can. They have to recognize it. But once they start dabbling, because because they're getting contaminated with things and they're not aware of it. And, you know, they somewhere along the way, they became prideful. Uh, they became, um, you know, uh, 
stupid um <laughs> you know yeah um vague. Well, it's really like that with just about anything isn't it it's like you you're given these warnings or signs early on and then you know if you ignore them then you don't get them anymore and it becomes harder because you've ignored the warning signs right off the yes. bat hey you're misusing this gift or whatever and you know since you ignore that you kind of continue down this negative path and begin exactly. to use it for more maybe selfish reasons well yes and that's where you end up with you know uh you know you end up with um i usually don't like to mention names or anything but you know pe people like an alistair crowley you know um right. you know um where where people get so lost um that uh, there's no lines left for them mm -hmm. and uh there's no there's they almost leave no way back for themselves um uh, you know, we never say never because God is an infinitely loving and merciful God and very mysterious and he creates ways back for souls. And I've seen it millions of times, but, but I use that as an example because that is the, like the end point where a lot of people who get lost in, in these sorts of things, I can tell you in the mysteries of the redemption, I write a lot about the real serious nature of people who play around with witchcraft, whether it's white, black, or in between, mm -hmm. any kind of magic, um, very, very serious. I've been taken to these really, really horrible realms. Um, you don't want to be messing around with that stuff. There's, there is no gray area. It's just not, it's just not okay. Um, and, and you open yourself up to to even more of that when you dabble yeah, in it, right? You know, a lot of people, they, they say, oh, it's white witchcraft. I'm just doing this for healing or I'm doing this for, you know, and, and there are a lot of people who um, truly probably, you know, because a lot of people will go down and this is where it gets scary because people do, out of ignorance, go down some of these paths and they may very seriously and sincerely not intend where they might end up, but what they are doing is they are calling on spirits of a lower nature and they don't know what they're calling on. And that is not a place you should go for any reason ever. Like snowball out of control. No. You know, it's interesting too, because when you look at the cases that they've had in the annals of possession, you know, like the one that was the the story that inspired the exorcist. It was a simple case of that where there was an aunt in the home who was involved with Ouija boards and stuff like this. And she died and she uh, was just a dark spirit. And her and her comrades possessed the soul of that young boy. And um, that was a total nightmare. What happened to that child was untenable it was unbelievable you know and it was something you could not imagine could come from uh something like that you know and this was a situation where literally her sister took her in 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 her final year or whatever of life because she needed she needed someone to take care of her she was trying to do good and great evil befell them um and so you have to look there's a lot of study and stuff that you can look into, even in um, if you're interested in this sort of thing. Any of your listeners 
look into the cases of the the exorcism cases because you're going to find um, that this is that there's there's no gray area. But you know what I can tell you that I have experienced in the out of body experiences I've had. There's no gray area. I mean, you're dealing with um, uh, what what I was shown. There's no such thing as white witchcraft. You are you are calling on something that you shouldn't be calling on. Whatever your intention might be, you're still calling on something you shouldn't be calling on. And what you what you got to be doing is turning your attention towards something very different, which is if you're really interested in spiritual uh, advancement, you want to turn your attention to the all holy God. And what what do you do if you want to be if you want to move towards the all holy God, you've got to start getting to know his friends. And that's the prophets, saints, mystics, sages, and ascetics from throughout time. And we know about them. We know about their lives. We know their testimony. And we know their keys to um, the mysteries of the all holiness of God in the ancient sacred texts. You know, and we have these beautiful things that have been left behind. I've had many, many beautiful mystical experiences about how the ancient sacred texts create this stairway. There's like books stacked up like steps from earth to heaven. And the reason that is so is because they provide each, each of them provide a different window, a different direction into understanding who God is. And so, um, you know, whether it's, you know, whether it's a Catholic saint or a, a saint from another religion, we are understanding all these facets of who God is, because if we want to approach an all holy God, we have to become holier. And so we can't be dabbling in things that are pulling us down, not up. And um, it's Let's just have books on on all of those sacred texts, too, and also how most of the religions were on out of body experience based were formed because of a prophet that had out-of-body experiences right exactly yes because you know revelation was formed from out-of-body travel there's a book in particular on that subject called near death and out-of-body experiences of the prophets saints mystics and sages um in world religions that that kind of lays it out for you um but there's a whole bunch of them there's a whole series of books in world uh, you know out-of-body travel and world religions um but it's so neat. It's just so important that we understand that what we want to do is this look up <laughs> and and so you know we can simplify it. We can simplify it. We don't want to do things that are pulling us down. We want to look up. And even that in and of itself provides us with a simple way of beginning to discern the things that we're bringing into our spiritual reality. And we just remember, we, we are approaching an all holy God. That in and of itself denotes a whole lot of things about what we should be doing and, and what we should not. Mm -hmm. And that really helps us to, you know, clear the path, the narrow path, 
you know, the wicket gate, <laughs> you know, as John Bunyan talked about in the Pilgrim's Progress, let us travel the path of the wicket gate. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but it really is. It's like um, be, getting yourself in alignment with the will of God as, you know, like Jesus spoke of, you know, not my will, but your will be done. And, and, and when you're operating from the heart, your will does align with the will of the Father, if you will, to use that terminology. And um, operating from the heart, you can really see how um, it's a really an inexhaustible source. So you really don't need to go anywhere else, you know? Exactly. And you know, it re- that is so true. And um, what people will find is that all of the trappings of these things that, you know, they might find down here have nothing in comparison to what they will find when they do this. <laughs> no comparison. And they won't, you know, you'll understand. You'll understand that you don't need these. You know, these are distractions. Distractions that keep us away from uh, looking into the eyes of God rather yeah. than, um, you know, so we, we just fall away into these other things, you know. And we waste more time, you know. <laughs> it's all distractions, yeah. <laughs> no, no, although I know that um, I know that that sounds like it seems like such a beautiful place to end end everything. And I know time's like running short, but I just had to ask you if you could tell us because I know our audience will be really interested in this. Can you tell us a little bit of what you've discovered about aliens in your out of body travels? Sure. Um, um, you know, I'll leave that as the last question. Just saying. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've I've learned a lot about the the extraterrestrials. You know, there's a lot of different races, and some uh, some of them are good. Some of them are not so good. You know, the aliens are a lot like. You know, there are some that are a lot like us that are mortal beings. So they're you know, a little mix of good and evil. There are some that are a little bit more of a uh, more of a, you know, maybe a little lower than us. And then there's others that are higher. Um, and, you know, and there's uh, some of these extraterrestrials are more interdimensional and or higher vibrational beings. Um, and those are the ones that I'm the most interested in. And, you know, and um, uh, help bring uh, this planet higher has been a lot of, um, difficulty with that in the last 10 years or so there's been a lot of obstruction of that just because of the planetary vibration and humanity you know that kind of thing um the pleiadians are one of the races that has tried really hard and is working real hard on that there's another race that um i've seen a lot of and they're the um uh they I kind of call them the Tibetans, but I don't know. It's only because I see them work with the Tibetans. They're not Tibetans, but I call them Tibetans. <laughs> but they work a lot with Tibetans, partly because for some reason the Tibetans are more open to them than a lot of other people on the planet. And these are really, really, really highly advanced beings that it's just really hard to describe them. They can only work with a, a you know, like five to ten people on this planet um, because it's just so hard to, to find people that are 
finely tuned enough, you know, to, to, to be able to work with. Um, there's a, there's another species and species is probably not the best word for them, <laughs> but um, that is even beyond them. Um, they are, uh, gosh, that's the place I'd love to go. You know, <laughs> that's a place I'd love to live, you know, but, um, I, I've had experience where they let me translate through them and see what it would be like to be on their in their world. And in their world, it's just so high, fine, light fr frequency. Um, it's so beyond us that it's almost impossible to put into words. Um, I mean, they really are just, they w work in light. Um, they're just so far beyond us. Uh, that's a beautiful, beautiful place. There's another planet that I've recently been traveling that I love. <laughs> I, I just love, I love it so much. And <laughs> I want to go there again. Um, but it's a place, it has um, two suns and four moons. And it's actually this uh, planet. It's such a light, it's, it's, um, it's not like these high vibrational places, but it's like this land of the masters. Does it and have crystal stuff there or no? There's crystal stuff there, but this is a place like where Avalokiteshwara um, and a lot of the sages and the mystics and a lot of the, um, the Asian masters live there. Mm -hmm. And it's... Um, and I've been taken there. I have a little little log cabin at the top of this hill that I get to go to once in a while and, and meditate. And it's a very, very, um, it's just a beautiful, free-feeling, playful. And it's just, you just feel so free there. It's just, oh, and it's just like, oh, you know, the masters are just all around and you're just like, Hey, and, you know, you can, you can all talk to each other about different things. What do you think about this problem? What do you think? How should I handle that one? And it's just so beautiful because you're, you're seeing, you know, I, you know, I have to say Avalokiteshwara holds my attention because she's gorgeous. She's beautiful. She's a beautiful spirit, you know, um, but there's these other Asian masters, many of whom I don't even know who they are, you know, and you're just kind of watching them flit around, you know, and then there's these other like prophets and these, um, these like, um, like, I would imagine that they might be like Sufi mystics who are meditating underneath the trees, you know, um, and then there's others like who might be, might have been like some of the Egyptian cave dweller you know early fathers of the desert you know wow. and you're just you're just literally like in a state of panoramic bliss you know so i guess that's not um you know it's not a planet of extraterrestrials it's a planet of the masters you know wow. but it's a place that i've recently discovered that i am just in such 
bliss about. Um. <laughs> Can you go there too much, I guess, is the question. Are they like, hey, you've shown up three times this week already. Let's yeah. turn it down a little bit. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's definitely not something that I get to do just because I want to. Because if I did, I'd be there all the time. But <laughs> I, I, I'm allowed to go there when, when they so deem. You know, and it's interesting, too, because there's like the the old ones the 12 chiefs, you know, the Native American masters too, you know, so like some of the holy Native chiefs are there. I mean, you walk, it's just so amazing because you feel the holiness of these masters and you're just like, you know, nobody's walking, you're all floating around and you're like, hey, you know, and you're, you're sharing, you're sharing energy of ideas, you know, because wow. Because it's kind of like we're we're all congregating about um, the work that we're being asked to do in various planets and various regions. Wow! <laughs> it's, it's just so beautiful. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. I really feel like that's probably you're probably going there because that's what you're part of. That's your people. Well, that's very sweet. And I hope you're right, because I love it there. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I love that little log cabin there. And, uh, you know, and I joke around with my husband. I'm like, you know, I'm I'm becoming very, very comfortable with the two suns and the four moons, you know. <laughs> and that, you know, I kind of like that. That's neat, you know. But it's, it's just such a neat place. And you know, I think that what I'm experiencing and what I have experienced is that, you know, we're going to find that in terms of extraterrestrial life, there's an infinite number of worlds there, too. You know, we're probably going to be finding, you know, I've, I've experienced like the Alpha Centauri people who are very, very psychic people. They're very, very um, heart centered they're able to sense with love is what they're able to do so it's like a psychic through love is the way that they are um we're going to be having more and more contact with the ones that are closer to earth but there will come a time you know and we're going to find out you know that throughout the universe there are probably so many forms of life just like we find you know because when we cross over um you know, like, uh, I, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, you'll have to tell me if I already did, but you know, like when we cross over and we enter into heaven, there are extraterrestrials in heaven, but it's so normal there that we're like, hey, you know, and then when you come back, you're like, wait a minute, those were extraterrestrials in heaven, you know? And so it's so no natural and normal when you're out of body that you don't even notice it and then you come back and you come back to our little limited world and you're like wait a minute you know yeah, that's kind, you know, of, kind of like the little thing that kind of like if you're you know you're leaving your children and your family but then when you're but when you're there like after death or whatever you still love them or whatever but it's like it's okay you yeah. know yes and you know as we cross over i think that we are gradually opened up to the multiplicity of worlds again because you know one of the things i wrote about in the mysteries of the redemption too was you know that after death we go through the you know the oh, life review <laughs> okay go ahead <laughs> we go through that life review re pertaining to this life but then um for a lot of us then 
there will be a subsequent life review beyond that that where we're going to meet souls from other lifetimes we're going to have a reunion with souls that are important to us that relate to other lifetimes right and that's further down the experience but it's very important and it happens um and we will remember them very spontaneously you know but it's not someone remember we remember from this life it's just like oh wait a minute i know you you know right oh yeah that whole other life i forgot yeah. about. well a whole bunch of other lives really yeah. it's, it's a whole bunch of them and this is you know i think a lot of a lot of people ask me these questions because the multiplicity something we have trouble because we are focused right here but really we are multiplicitous existences and mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting, too, because I'm actually seeing that in even like in arts and entertainment and some of the things that people are writing and some of the things that people are actually putting on film, they are covering some of these things. And so I'm seeing right. that, you know, God is bringing it in and, sh and people are finding ways to demonstrate how parallelity works and, and doing it in ways that are going to be visually helpful to us as human beings in terms of understanding it better and so you know god works in mysterious ways you know yeah. so you know we we do have i i had a vision years ago about um you know the coming of the extraterrestrials and i was shown there would be there would be many races and there would be higher races there would be races that were similar to us and there would be races that were um, not so good. And so we had to be aware of the fact that there would be all of those and we would have to just like people, you know, <laughs> and just right. like other species of, you know, other species that we see on our own planet, you know, we're going to see different types of species. We're going to see different types of life that will probably be quite surprising to us in terms of what we're used to seeing, what we're comfortable with. You know what I mean? Right. right. Yeah. I'm certainly excited about it. I know. I am too. <laughs> but even just a few short years ago, I would have been frightened to imagine meeting anybody that looked anything much different than what we look like, just because it seems like a freaky thought. But, you but, know, as long as they're not after me, you know. <laughs> I think that what's interesting about that, though, is that we are very comfortable with thousands of different species on our own planet. You know, and so it's not that far a leap, you know, to just consider the possibility of other species on a different planet that might be intelligent. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Because you, you look at the creativity of God just on our planet alone. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's not that far a leap for us, you know? <laughs> There's some pretty alien looking stuff here on Earth, you know, but you get, you get deep enough in the water or deep enough in a cave somewhere and it starts not to look very earthly anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Such a wealth of information and much of it's available for free on your website. I do have that um, under the screen there, outofbodytravel.org. Yeah. And I also have your YouTube channel linked as well so people can go subscribe to your channel. And you know, have to go go check out some of her books, and she has all kind of classes and all kind of stuff, just all all kind of things that she's gifted the world. Oh, 
Thank you, Sherry. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to come on. I'm sure everybody loved having you here and us introducing you to him. And thank you, Sherry, for it's been a long time coming. Huh? It's been a long time. Yeah, this is great. I really enjoyed talking to you guys, and thanks for having me on. Oh, we love you, Marilyn. Hopefully, you can come back sometime. That'd be awesome. Oh, I'd love to. We'll start taking these subjects down one at a time, maybe. Yep. Yeah, we could go on and on forever. Yep. We never sure? run out of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, lots of love and light to all of you guys watching now and later. And thank you again, Marilyn and Sherry. We'll see you guys in the next one. Have a good one. Thank you. If you'd like to support the work I do, go to paypal.me slash UOTF. Thanks.